Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! One, two, Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast and National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Pitagno alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. We hope you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Drew, I mean, where do you even start? You got Colorado, TCU, the arrival of primetime in college football. You got LSU getting throttled by Florida State in the second half, 31-7. to We're going to talk a little bit about that one. And then, yeah, Clemson last night, Mike Elko and the Fighting Dukies take it to Dabo Sweeney. Our job is to look at the recruiting player personnel angle and all of that. So we're going to stay in our lane. But, Drew, I know you had a, a good weekend, man. You're down in the Florida Keys, right? Catching a little sun? Yeah, I'm feeling it. Do I look sunburned over the camera or no? Or <laughs> you do I always look sunburned, man. <laughs> it's always your look. How yeah, was it? It, it, it was good, man. Um, just to pop down to the Keys with – the rest of the state of Florida, I mean, traffic, terrible, getting down, getting back. Uh, but it was fun. What about you? I saw you were in the studio on Saturday. And Coop, you mentioned all these uh, college games. Like, there was high school games as well. <laughs> you know, there I told, was. I was watching Miami Central Bishop Gorman on Friday night, I think, until 3 a.m. And that's when the Jimmy Buffett news broke. And I, was, I, I saw it on my timeline. And I'm like, is this real? Because when you went to Google it, there wasn't even a story yet. You and I haven't even talked about this yet, but you, you're you a big Jimmy Buffett guy. Your family is, right? I am, man. I went to his last concert with his full band. We went back in February. Tell you what, I mean, he is, uh, I was thinking about it. I got a little emotional when he passed. Not like I was this huge Jimmy Buffett guy, but my parents were, you know, it's like such a generational thing. You grow up going to the beach and I don't know, a lot of memories around it. His music yeah. is timeless. Like he's not going anywhere. He's he's going to live on forever. Rough, rough year for the Keys. Mike Leach, Jimmy Buffett, both those guys spent a lot of time down there. They live on in spirit, my friend. Um, Drew, okay, we talked about it in the beginning of the show, talking about a, a couple of the games uh, that we're going to highlight here in a second. But we're going to do a new segment here. We're going to talk about our team of the week, week in and week out, and then a freshman of the week. Drew, this one is, uh, for you, pretty recent, right? <laughs> Coming off of last night's victory. Yeah, I'm going to give it my team of the week. We can call it a helmet sticker or a game ball, but those are probably uh, trademarked. I'm giving it to Duke and Mike Elko. Um, I don't think people realize what he has done there. And I go back to when we were doing the ACC Impact Freshman podcast. We couldn't even find a freshman together, right? We, we got one name, and it was like, hey, he might play on special teams. I just like the way Mike Elko has constructed this roster. And I think from a personnel lens, what's really impressive is what they are doing in the transfer portal. Anthony Nelson, uh, I don't know how much of the game you saw, but 
in the fourth quarter, I mean, it, it was it was close. Clemson driving would have been a big score for them, and Anthony Nelson forces a fumble and, and kind of secures or helps salt the game for for Duke. He's a guy that went to Harvard, former two-star recruit out of Florida. I don't even remember this kid, and look at him now making a big impact. at Al Blades in the secondary. I mean, Duke is is very experienced. I think a lot of those guys came from the previous staff, but it's a really good coach football team. And I think you got to credit them. I mean, look at Duke's 2024 recruiting class right now. They're sitting, I had it written down, like sitting 36 and they're done. Like they evaluate, get them in and develop them. So my team of the week is Duke. And I also love the Gothic font on the helmets. That was a first for them. Huge win. Derek Miller, the general manager over there, a guy I used to work with at LSU back when we were interns a long time, long time ago. He's doing a fantastic job over there. Huge win for Duke. I mean, I kind of had that game highlighted as a game that, you know, we wanted to keep an eye on. I did not think that we would see the result that we saw last night. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about Dabo Sweeney and Clemson a little bit later in the show. Drew, how about freshman of the week for you? Well, Dylan Edwards is kind of the uh... – uh, he was the 24-7 sports true freshman of the week. I think he's a layup, so I'm not going there. My freshman of the week is our guy. I think we need to create our own Oyster Boys roster. This guy's got one of the receiver spots, Creed Whitmore. And, man, for Mississippi State, they're playing Southeastern. But this guy, four catches, 59 yards and a touchdown. Two carries, 57 yards and a touchdown. First game playing wide receiver. He was a high school quarterback. Guy we had in the top two, four, seven. Cooper, you brought it up when we discussed the SEC potential impact freshman. You know, we you don't see a lot of discrepancies in the rankings, but we were the only ones that had him as a four star. And yes, we got a long, long ways to go. But man, when I saw that box score and then I found the highlights, I'm like, I think we were right on on Creed Whitmore. Excuse me. Yeah, not surprised about that one at all. It's funny to hear like Mississippi State fans kind of talk about Creed Whitmore and they're like, is this guy Austin Williams? Same thing, right? A little bit of reincarnation wearing number 85, laying out of the slot a little bit. Drew, we loved him coming out of uh, school, was he, in, in Gainesville? He was at Buholtz, uh, Florida. Buholtz, that's yeah. right. And, and uh, go ahead. Can I, can I just like, I think a lot of people worry about, wonder about our rankings process and you know, oh, you guys are evaluating in, in shirts and shorts. Well, it's like, man, you know, we were out on the road and we saw Creed Whitmore play wide receiver at a camp. And I think that really helped us with the evaluation in terms of like, all right, we think he can make this transition. So just kind of cool to see that full scope that we thought he could do it. And again, he's playing an FCS opponent, but he's starting. And I think Will Rogers, I, I read one of the stories said Creed Whitmore is way further along than he was when, when he first played. So uh, just kind of cool to see. He was a box checker, too. Like, if you go back on his recruitment, played quarterback, played running back, played receiver, played safety, was listed as an athlete coming out. There's a lot of conversation. We didn't even know what side of the ball he was going to play. And a guy that uh, he was going to be really hard to keep off the field, whether it was that prior committed Florida or whether it's now Mississippi State. You saw that in his first game, four receptions, 59 yards, two tuds. Through team of the week, I went back and forth. I'm going to name two. Okay, I'm going to go with Colorado. I'm going to go with Florida State. And Colorado, I can't say enough about the job Deion Sanders has done. I I'm, I was all in on that hire. I went back, and it was it was funny because when he had his post game press conference, 
he started calling out reporters and I kind of like went back and did an internal audit of everything I've said about <laughs> Deion Sanders. And I went back and, you know, I was, I was a huge fan of, uh, of the hire because really from a recruiting standpoint, like you've hit rock bottom, right? You bottomed out. And for Colorado, the only way forward was up. And I, I thought Deion Sanders, as much as an unknown as he was with a small sample size from a HBCU, his upside in terms of a head coach was through the roof in terms of the recruiting prowess he could bring that place. And I think we've seen that in a short amount of time. That being said, Andrew, I did not expect this in terms of the on-field result in week one. I don't think people really understand how crazy this is to flip an entire roster, 87 players, and go beat a team. I don't care what their roster looks like now. Go beat a team that was in the national championship last year at their place. Shodur Sanders, to me, Andrew, is legit. He, he is legit. I mean, you talk about a guy that knows how to play the game and play within himself. I mean, what a gamer that guy is. Dylan Edwards doing his thing. They had four players with over 100 yards receiving. And to me, Drew, this week with Florida State, LSU, I'm going to get to them in a second. It was, if my eyes weren't already open, it was like, it was, you can see this as clear as day now. It's like the transfer portal is not only one way to, complement and supplement your roster building process but it is so important and you're taking a, a downtrodden program in colorado flipping it on its head and showing that they're capable of doing that they're capable right whether or not they're going to be able to run the table and win eight nine games i don't know but to me if i'm going into this week i would have them favored against nebraska which is a crazy thing to say and then you look at Florida State, Jordan Travis, transfer, Johnny Wilson, transfer, Keon Coleman, transfer, Jarrett Verse, transfer. You go down the list. All right. Those guys at the end of the day were the X factors. You go to LSU's secondary, Deuce Chestnut, transfer, Andre Sam, transfer, Major Burns, transfer, LSU's linebacking core. Omar Spates, transfer. Makai Wingo, transfer. These, how team, this is how teams at the top are building. And when we came into this thing, it was like, well, you know, you can supplement your organic roster building out of high school by getting some guys who can come in and fill in the blanks and provide some depth. Absolutely not. That whole theory has been flipped on its head. You look at the teams at the top, Drew, I can't remember a week in college football where I was like, listen, I didn't watch the Georgia-Tennessee Martin game. I'm going to reserve judgment for another time. But you go down the list, LSU at number five, Alabama at number four, Ohio State at number three, and you're like, and any given Saturday, right? That's the beauty of the game. But at the same time, like Florida State, to me, looked like the best team I watched all weekend. They looked like the more physical team. They looked like the more athletic team. 
and they look like the faster team. Jaheim Bell as well. I mean, you can go through the entire roster, and then you look at North Carolina, South Carolina. It's like Jim Nagy said yesterday. North Carolina looked like the SEC team to me. College football all of a sudden is like, we're talking about all this conference realignment. It doesn't matter anymore. Now, to me, it's like 32, 32 teams. And every given Sunday, somebody's good enough to beat you. Duke just proved that. And it's kind of shaken up the way that I kind of look at the college football world. And it's kind of crazy to me because all these preconceived notions that we used to have in the SEC's bigger, faster, stronger. Sure, to a certain degree, not anymore. Everybody's got a chance to build their roster in a different way, and you don't have to wait three to four years for it to take. You can do it in one year. You can get 87 brand new players and microwave it, go on the road and beat TCU because you got a full, you got a locker room full of guys who believe, and you got talent. I mean, dude, it 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 was like the Colorado was remarkable to me, and then to watch FSU do what they did to LSU, completely dominate them in the second half was like, whoa. And I still think LSU is going to end up being a top 10 team at the end of the year. On the Colorado stuff, I'm kind of kicking myself because, and I just found the story, September 4th, 2022. This is back in the preps to pros day, days, Cooper. I went to Jackson State, Florida AM, right? I was assigned, hey, you know, they're playing in Miami, go to the Orange Bowl Classic, or yeah, I think that's what they call it, the Orange Bowl Classic. And you're going to write about Travis Hunter in his first game. Showed up, Travis Hunter was awesome, but that wasn't the story. It was prime. And he had quickly built Jackson State into a juggernaut. And I remember we got a ton of flack for suggesting that like this is a guy that could probably you know move to the power five level so when you think about all that and my time being around that program that one day i was like man this thing is this thing is built the right way as a winner and it was a ton of guys from the transfer portal and Shadur sanders i mean tons of critics out there hey he's not playing the best competition at at that level i mean I think that game he was 29 of 33 for 323 and five touchdown passes. So it's like I've seen this before, just not at this level. Um, Colorado's fun. And, you know, we have been questioning what they're doing on the recruiting trail. Like, how can they not go and flip whoever they want now? I mean, everyone's going to want to visit Colorado. I mean, the star power on that offense, Travis Hunter, Dylan Edwards, Jimmy Horn, Xavier Weaver. I mean, I, I tweeted it like NCAA 24, the video game. How is Colorado not one of the most picked teams? Like that is an offense that looks fun. He, uh, I, I mentioned this on Saturday when we we're on the show, at CBS HQ, but it was a beautiful move by Deion Sanders at halftime to talk about Travis Hunter and the Heisman. Because think about it. Now we're talking about it. He, he made that very, very easy for everybody to say, well, is he in the discussion? And I'm sitting there. I'm thinking to myself, when's the last time in my lifetime I've ever seen anybody do what Travis Hunter did against TCU? And I'm thinking to myself, like, 
And I'm sitting right next to Carl Reed, and he's like, well, the guys I can think of are like Chris Gamble from Ohio State and Charles Woodson back in the day, which, what, I was seven years old? And, you know, I had somebody text me and said, hey, the Travis Hunter Heisman stuff. I don't get it. So what what don't you get? Did you watch the game? <laughs> if that if if this was somebody at USC at one of these brand programs, would we be saying that? Same with Shador Sanders. I mean, these guys won one game last year. This guy comes out there, throws for 500 yards. What is he like 39 for 47? Dude, I mean, but I had to pick my jaw up off the ground. And I'm not saying TCU's like this formidable force. I don't think people understand the magnitude of this roster turnover and then to implement a culture. Andrew, they were the better coach team. They were the more efficient team. They were the less penalized team. I don't think this is a fluke. And guess what? They are confident as hell and they embody their head coach. That's what you want. How much how much exposure did you have to Travis Hunter when he not a ton? I came in, he he was yeah. kind of like um all I remember, I remember saying this this weekend when we were talking about it. He was kind of, I don't want to say an outlier, but he was intriguing in the fact that I don't think we had any verified information on him. But I remember every time I would talk to one of you guys, like, no, this is it's not even really a conversation. Every time we have seen him, he has taken this decision out of our hands and made it himself. Well, I'm 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 feeling really good about the scouting report on the profile. If you if you search Travis Hunter, we have we have Charles Woodson as the player comp, generational type talent, corner one, wide receiver one. I, I, the thing to me, what is cool to see is like he did this every time, like the interception that everyone keeps referencing which was a heck of a play and then i think he had the 50 yard catch where it was kind of a jump ball right kind of bailed the offense out like he did that every time you saw him so it's just i don't know cool or or funny or i, I don't i don't know what term to describe it but to see all of the college football world like kind of react to this it's like no this is what he has done since he was <laughs> freshman in high school, like seven-on-seven seven tournaments. When I went to that Jackson State-Florida A&M game, he almost came down with a a circus catch uh, interception as well, which, I mean, I don't know how many people actually saw that, but, like, this is Travis Hunter, and uh, I think you can kind of just drop him in wherever, you know? <laughs> like Drew, I don't know if we're going to do a graphic on this. We'll, we'll have to see what producer Lance says, but I'm, I am going to go with the low-hanging fruit here. How about Dylan Edwards? Five receptions, 135 yards, three oh, touchdowns. We're doing a graphic on it, all right. That's for sure. That's already in the works, Cooper. I can guarantee you that one. Okay. Then for graphic purposes, we'll do Dylan Edwards. Not not because of graphic purposes. I mean, he's he's the guy, right? It was kind of funny. It was like So it, he's your true he's your true freshman of the week, is what you're saying. True, true freshman of the week. But I mean, it's um to see him have the impact that he had week one. I thought, okay, here's a guy that you're going to have to scheme up, maybe get find a way to give him six, seven touches a game. I thought we'd see him a lot in the return game. Hey, he was the guy. I mean, they used him out of the back the backfield. Credit to Sean Lewis, man, coming over from Kent State. That's a name already that a lot of people, I, I think, have. I saw Brian Polian tweeted about it. 
head coach at Kent State. Colorado can keep this up, which that's it's going to be a really difficult task. Sean Lewis is going to be a, a, another guy that I, I would, I'm so fascinated by what his mentality was when he took the Colorado job. You know, he's leaving a head coaching post at a place like Kent State. He's going to Colorado, and I wonder if he – like, I wonder what the – the sell was to him and whether he was saying, all right, maybe I'm going to take a lateral move at best. And then if we have success here, I wonder what that's going to do for my coaching profile and the, and, and the way I'm perceived. You, you want to know my theory? What type of player is he getting at Colorado than he was at Kent State? Mm-hmm. I think Travis Hunter can make you look really good, right? And, and yeah, I think <laughs> that offense with, with the right talent, I mean, how do you? Like to me, Colorado, like the O line doesn't look that good, but it doesn't even matter. Like, I thought they actually played okay. Well, I I don't, I wouldn't consider that the strength of the team, is what I'm saying. And they just, and they just eliminate the need. You know, uh, yes, you have to have bodies there, but it's, it's not somewhere you're relying on premium tackles to, you know, move the ball. Final thoughts on Colorado, Andrew? I mean, Steve Wilfong. Director of recruiting at twenty four seven sports. I mean, he's already putting out their visitors list uh, for Colorado this upcoming weekend. I think two official visitors so far: Cameron Michael, top two four seven athlete out of Georgia, who uh, most schools view as a defensive back. I'm assuming Colorado's probably telling them, "Hey, come play in this offense." I think that's a recruitment to keep an eye on. Similar profile, I, I think, to Dylan Edwards. I mean, not apples to apples, but he's a track kid, plays all over the field. Um, so I, you know, I think this is, this is only going to make Colorado more scary on the trail. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. All right, Joe, let's talk a little bit about Ohio state, Ohio state. I would say a little bit of tough sledding 23 to three against Indiana. This game was 10 to three at halftime. Kyle McCord, a little bit of an up-and-down debut there for Ohio State. Devin Brown, only six snaps. I thought we would see him a little bit more in this game. Um, Drew, I kind of talked about it on the pregame show on Saturday. Uh, the, the, the position that I really kind of had my eye on, three new starters on the offensive line, one of those including Josh Simmons, who transferred over from San Diego State, started 12 games at right tackle last year. Starting for left, starting at left tackle for Ryan Day this year. I don't know. Mixed bag on Ohio State. This is a team that I feel like has enough coaching continuity, enough continuity on the roster that they're going to figure it out. Indiana not in the position of strength at their quarterback position. They played both Brendan Swordsby and Taven Jackson. Both those guys weren't able to get anything going. I don't know. It just didn't seem like that prolific passing offense that's going to strike the fear of God in their opponent like we've seen in years past with C.J. Stroud. Maybe it's going to take a little bit of time. I think that would be fair to give Kyle McCord and or Devin Brown a little bit of time to get their feet under him. Are you surprised McCord's the guy over Devin Brown? Because I am. I'm, I'm surprised Devin Brown didn't get more run in a game like that. To me, that tells me it really wasn't even that close. Yeah. If Kyle McCord has that type of performance – and all you can get is Devin Brown, six snaps. I don't know. I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of Devin Brown. Who do they have? Youngstown State this week, right? So 
I would expect him this week. I think the rehearsal for Devin Brown is actually this weekend. I think you touched on kind of the the roster weakness right now. It's that offensive line. Kind of look to see what they signed last cycle, what they got committed this cycle. I I think they're going to need more more transfer help up front. Portal game, man. Marvin Harrison, what do you have? Two receptions for 18 yards. Had a touchdown pulled, uh, taken back as well on a legal touching. It was funny. I went and watched the spring game on Kyle McCord before that game, and I was just kind of like, oof. Not C.J. Stroud, nothing against him. I mean, we're talking about the number two pick in the draft, right? It's just, I don't know. I don't know. All right, where are we going from here? I want to get your thoughts on Florida State LSU because this game, we all know I'm I'm an LSU boy. I'm a Louisiana boy. And I like to stay objective on this as, as possible. I want to get your thoughts, and then I'm going to give some thoughts on on Florida State and LSU. And I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but just overall, how you came away from this game. I think Florida State's legit. Um, I thought so. You real real saw, quick, Andrew, I know this is not our lane, but quick question for you: After this week, where would you where would you have them ranked? Top five. Is the poll out? <laughs> I, I'd have them at number two. Like I said, I thought they were the best team I watched this weekend. And I'm not going to overreact. Georgia gets the benefit of the doubt, but I I didn't see any of Georgia or Alabama. So I yeah. So I yeah, three, two, th- three, yeah. four. Okay. Um I I just <laughs> when when you look at all right, my two takeaways this is my instant reaction. You know, I was watching it at a uh, hog heaven down there in Isle Morada. LSU's secondary, you know, used to be DBU. I thought that group had no answers for Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson. Um, with that being said, I do think LSU here in the 24 cycle has one of the top DB halls, you know, but how long could they? You can't plug those guys in now. I, I do think you know, there's going to be some difference makers coming down the pipeline, but I think that was a, a glaring issue. And then when you look at Florida State, man, like the guy right away that jumped out to me is Patrick Payton, who was the ACC Rookie of the Year last year. I mean, hit he is exactly what we talk about when it's – all right. He's got the frame, you know, can he add the weight? Can he add the weight? Because he was 195 pounds in, in high school. And then when he made his first stop there in the first quarter, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is exactly what I thought he could be in terms of – I don't even know what he's listed at now. I, I I just – so much will be said about the transfer portal and what Mike Norvell is doing, but I do think they are developing some guys that maybe aren't, you know, one, two, three, or five in your in your recruiting class. And I think that's the back end – is where Florida State has really improved in, in terms of and, and you look at the secondary, uh Renardo Green, Kevin, Kevin Knowles. I mean, those weren't blue chip guys, but they've developed them and 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 now they're making an impact in in the two deep. So that that's what my two immediate takeaways were. Just LSU secondary. And then I think Florida State, you know, their high school recruiting with what they've done with some of these guys isn't isn't being talked about enough. Easy to point to Keon Coleman. I agree. What has typically been a strength for LSU in years past in different eras, whether it was Orgeron or whether it was Les Miles, all the way back to Nick Saban, 
was their defensive back room. I mean, they have a very legitimate argument as DBU. You cannot say that right now. They have dipped. You know, and I, I talked about the transfers that they added there. Since Corey Raymond has left, and you can say whatever you want about Corey Raymond and the on-field performance and all that type of stuff, they don't have the same caliber of talent in that room. They're not as deep. They brought over Denver Harris from the transfer portal. He has not been able to get right off the field. That's hurt them. They don't look like the same defense because of what they lack on the back end. I liked what I saw from their defensive line. I thought they played well. I thought they were nasty. You saw a lot of interior push from Makai Wingo. I like the Jefferson kid from West Virginia. Their inability to run the ball was surprising. I thought Florida State owned them at the line of scrimmage. And you have Emory Jones on the right side, Will Campbell on the left. They kind of mixed some things around. They got Dellinger on the left side, Frazier on the right side, and then Charles Turner in the middle. I thought this was going to be one of the best units in the country. And then you look at their running back room, and it's by committee. John Emery hasn't been able to stay on the field. Josh Williams, Trey Bradford did some nice things. But similar to their secondary, running back was always a position where you had the guy. They don't have that guy. And then the Harold Perkins, Yeah, you know, I, I went back and I was looking at Jordan Travis some of the pro football focus grades this morning. I'm going to have to pull that up to talk a little bit about it more specifically, but 81% from the pocket when not pressured. I think he had three touchdowns, 60%. That dropped by 21 percentage points. Harold Perkins, 15 snaps off the edge. I don't get it. I'm not a coach. I'm not going to pretend to be, but this is something that everybody can see. I saw this six days ago, six days before the LSU Florida State game. A tweet came out of Brian Kelly's press conference. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but he was talking about how you're going to see a more complete linebacker in Harold Perkins, not a pass rush specialist. Why? Why? That guy won the Arkansas game by himself. He didn't know what the hell he was doing. And he said, well, he's not a C, he, he's not a C ball, get ball type of guy. We don't want him to be that guy anymore. Why? Why are you taking the one thing that this guy does better than anybody else in the country and taking it from him? They scheme their best player out of the game. For what? And I'm looking at Harold Perkins. You think that guy looked comfortable? I didn't think he did. <laughs> I uh I was with someone that, you know, they didn't know anything about Harold Perkins and pregame cameras on him. I'm like, yeah, this, this is the dude. And they're like, well, who's his pro comp? I'm like, Michael Parsons, like, you know, easy one. And then as the game progresses, he's not making plays. To the untrained eye, it was like, where, where's, where's Harold Perkins? So let me say this. I understand why LSU is doing what they, they're doing because – when Harold Perkins came out of high school, I thought where LSU is playing him right now would be his natural position. I thought, all right, this guy's going to be an off-ball backer. He's going to play in the box. You can split him out in the slot, and then you can use him situationally off the edge. He proved that last year 
that that's that's not him. He showed what he was last year. And now you're trying to fit him somewhere where I don't think he is an ideal fit. And we're going to talk about, well, growing pains. Now LSU's got a decision to make. Are they going to stick with it and play, play him off ball? And it's like Jordan Travis, I don't, I don't know about you, Andrew. I saw a different guy when he was pressured versus when he wasn't. And Jordan Travis is a hell of a player, hell of a player. But any quarterback, once you start to feel the pressure a little bit, you're going to find out kind of what they're made of. And I'm not saying LSU's got to live or die by that, but it's like, would you rather have Harold Perkins coming off the edge or you got to, you got to find a way to get Greg Brooks to the quarterback at second-level pressures? Baffles me. And I guess what I'm saying is I like what LSU is doing. I like the way they're building from inside out, especially on the offensive line. I'm sticking with that group. I think that group's going to be really good. I like where their tight end room is. I think Jaden Daniels played above average. He's got to make more plays to beat those type of opponents. But I don't think Jaden Daniels is the issue. I think the receivers got to step up. Long term, though, Drew, it's like I thought this team would be good enough to win a national championship this year. And who knows? I still think they can right the ship and win the SEC West. I'm, I'm, I'm confident in that group, but it's like, back to my point, I thought Mike Norvell just a year ago before last season was like dead in the water. And then it's 10 wins. And then they come out and you see this game and you're like, what in the hell happened? Went out, got all those dudes. And it's, guess what? At the end of the day, it's my grown men versus your grown men. Not my puppies, not Ashton Stamps. So those are my thoughts on that. It's just like. Can we can we hit real quick on Keon Coleman? Yeah, what a just, dog. <laughs> First off, he wasn't wearing knee pads. They were like at his thigh. I've never seen anything like, how did they, you know, I keep going to these high school games and. They consistently stop the game so guys will fix their knee pads. And it's like, well, you know, in the standalone game on Labor Day weekend, the guy they're looking up to is wearing thigh pads as as knee pads. But just the evaluation on him, I mean, we liked him a lot. Basketball player. I mean, I always talk about basketball guys with the wide receiver position. I mean, he he was awesome. Freak. Freak. Total freak. You brought it up. I mean, you're the, you're the one who loves the correlation of the basketball court production with the football player. I'll say this, Keon Coleman, we recruited him at Oregon. Yeah, the tape was just okay. I thought like, all right, here's his jump, jump ball specialist. Then you turn on the basketball tape. That was the, that's what really got you excited. And then he had freshman impact at Michigan State. I think they mentioned on the broadcast that Florida State was actually where he wanted to go, but it just didn't feel like the program was in the right spot at the time. Then he came out and he talked about, hey, he never really wanted to play in Louisiana. But, I'm yeah, I, that 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 guy was the difference. Like I mean, the they, day before, they, they had the matchups. The day before his signing day, there was a bunch of crystal balls for him to Tulane. <laughs> Former Kansas commit at one time, too. All right. Let's highlight one more game here. Florida, Utah. This game was on Thursday night. 
Utah playing with their backup quarterback, Cameron Rising out. They win 24 to 11. Drew, I mean, you're you're down there. Yeah, I mean, you're you're your takeaway on Florida. The O line's bad. And I don't know when when the immediate help's coming. I, I think that is a a huge issue. And if you want the local pulse of the situation, I mean, everyone's pointing to the you have two offensive line coaches that's supposed to be a, a strength. And I I mean, is he, where would you rank Utah's front in terms of opponents that they're going to face? Like, how are they going to stop block Georgia? I, I think that is a, a major, major issue. I thought one of the highlight or bright spots for Florida, Eugene Wilson, I mean, he he zigs and he zags. Um, I liked what I saw out of him, but, man, the O-line, notably that right side. And I don't know when when they're going to have a premier tackle ready to go. I, I don't see that on the current roster. They're not good enough to play the way that they did and think that they can overcome it. That was the other thing about Florida State. Florida State had, what, double-digit penalties? It's a sign of a good team. And then Florida, you know, had themselves in position a couple times, wasn't able to take advantage of it, whether it was a miscue on the field or whether it was penalties or whatever it was just got in their own way. And you can deal with the loss on the road to Utah, even with a backup quarterback. It's that type of stuff that gets you fired at the end of the day. It's not about what the box score reads. It's about how you play. Are you a disciplined team? Do you shoot yourselves in the foot over and over again? Year one, yeah, sure. There's a little bit of a grace period. Year two, I don't want to see that. Nobody wants to see that. That's where you want to see growth. That's where the frustration is going to mount. And I've said this. I love what Florida is doing on the recruiting trail. Who is the guy at quarterback? Who is that dude? I love DJ Lagway. You're going to throw all that on his shoulders at 18 years old? I don't even think Grant Mertz even played that bad, but it's like. I think Mertz was I, fine. I'll say this. I've, I've learned this from, like, the Norvell stuff. Like, we got to be patient. I think if there's anything that I learned from that, it was like. Or maybe I was a little bit too quick to judge, right? And I can see a little bit with that with Billy. But there are times where I feel like, man, this kind of feels too big for him. He's got everything. He's got all the resources. He's got the wind at his back. And it's like, do you Do you I go youth, youth movement there? If I'm Billy Napier, I'm winning football games. That's the only thing I'm concerned about. Because I, I don't think he's got the luxury to be like, let's build for the future. Or he might not have one. And I agree with you. If you're going to have two offensive line coaches, that better be the last thing you think about when you put your head on the pillow from a recruiting standpoint and from an execution standpoint. You know, if that's where I'm investing the most. Well, I think, you know, a lot of Florida fans, hey, are they going to hold on to the class? Are they going to keep the class? Like, I'd be like, where are the offensive tackles? That, that would be my number one. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't worry about DJ Lagway. Like, what? What? How are we getting better there? And they're probably going to have to go in the portal and fight for one of those mo the mo most coveted guys when they become available. I'm interested to to see kind of what happens with Florida's class, right? And if they can right the ship. It's early, we know that. But you know, Miami's got A and M this weekend. 
and Miami play Miami, Ohio, I thought they looked pretty good. If they can beat Texas A&M, that's going to be a lot of momentum. And if you're Florida State, you got a lot of momentum right now. On those two in-state schools, which Florida has built their class through 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 the state of Florida, Tennessee's coming to town in two weeks. And you're looking at a potential one and two start. That commit list is going to be open season, right? So not only are they going to have to write the ship on the field, but now they're playing roster defense a little bit. Fascinating times down there in Gainesville, for sure. Drew, any other any other takeaways before we get out of here from, I guess, week one? Anything you saw? Any freshman standouts? Dude, I didn't even know TJ Finley was at Texas State. How about that? Eat him up. Big win. Now you got Blake shaping out for what? Two to three weeks at Baylor? Yeah. That, that'll be one to follow. Um, there's a lot of transfer quarterbacks that had or quote-unquote bad transfer quarterbacks that you know, surfaced somewhere else and had big games. Uh, Casey Thompson at FAU, he was like 20 of 25, five touchdowns. Um, DJU out at Oregon State. thought that was kind of a – Oh, I, I know what I wanted to bring up. South Carolina, we love some Shane Beamer. But just like with Florida, I mean, that offensive line is bad. You had nine sacks. And that's the other thing, you know, like South Carolina is like my little darling. I always love talking about South Carolina and the up arrow and some of these guys got to mature and develop. I get it. You like you you want to be seen at that table with Georgia, Tennessee and the SEC East. You have to beat North Carolina. These are games you have to win. Like I said earlier, North Carolina is a team that looked more physical. They own the line of scrimmage. And we're talking about a defense that was dead last in all major categories last year in the ACC in North Carolina. Well, that was kind of my thought. Like, is North Carolina's front better or is South Carolina's O-line that bad? Could be a combination of the both. I expected South Carolina to win that game. I don't even think Spencer Rattler played that bad. What was he, 30 or 39? Doing that with all the pressure in his face? Constantly running for his life. I mean, I like the online class South Carolina signed last cycle, but developmental guys, our guy Tree, I read he was on the travel roster, Trovon Baugh, Marky Anderson, Jatavius Shivers. I mean, he was a roster stash. Like those guys all need to hit quickly. It just goes to show, Drew, like Florida – South Carolina, who else did we talk about? Yeah, we like that roster outlook two years from now, but that's not today. I don't know. I We didn't even talk about Clemson. All right, well, give me your rapid reaction on that. I've been saying it for a while, but it, it, would, it would drive me crazy if I was a personnel guy working in that building, seeing what we're up against in the ACC seeing what Florida State has done in such a short amount of time and saying, okay, we don't have access to use the transfer portal. And I understand where Dabo Sweeney is coming from. I just think the payoff's a lot, it's a lot more than the risk. And then the other thing about this is you have a one-of-one culture that people want to be a part of. And I understand why he's worked so hard to protect it, but think about if you were to open your arms to the outside world on that. 
how big of an attraction you would be. And sure, are you going to miss on some guys? Yes, but that's part of the game. You have to be willing to make some mistakes there. I just think there's there's more benefit to it. And we're talking about it. It's like, yeah, Peter Wood's going to have to play. TJ Parker's going to have to play. Well, now these other teams are gaining the advantage because they got guys with two, three years experience. And sure, these young guys are talented, but they don't have the experience. Two more guys I want to bring up. Dante Moore, Jackson Arnold. We said that they were the two most day one ready quarterbacks in the class. I think they they just, you know, Jackson Arnold, I get it, garbage time against Arkansas State. It was so bad. I think we saw from those guys exactly what we would expect. Both of them will be the starters by October? Yeah, I think, I think Dante Moore is <laughs> going to be the starter by next week. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Jackson Arnold, Dylan Gabriel obviously played very well on Saturday. But, you know, Jackson Arnold's right there, extremely capable. I don't think he threw an incomplete pass, did he? I think you are correct on that. Uh, was there any any other quarterbacks that got in? I know Nico got in. Nico got a little run. I got to go back and watch that. Malik Murphy got some run. Um, didn't get to see Arch. I'm trying to think what else. DJU, though, I mean. Rashada. Jaden Rashada. Late right, Jaden Rashada. Jaden Rashada just letting it rip. I didn't investigate this one. What did Iowa State do? Did J.J. Cole play? That wasn't on my radar. Might be a producer Lance question. I mean, Drew Aller looked good. That game was a little bit tighter than I thought it would be. West Virginia looked improved. It did. Yeah, we'll see what happens here. Drew, the runner-up from a freshman of the week, Mark Fletcher. I thought he looked good, man. J.J. Cole, four for five for three yards. I'm not sure how that happens, but four for five for three yards. Uh, three carries, 22 yards. That's that's where that. My guess is it was in garbage time, although I don't know who Iowa State played. But uh, my guess is it was in garbage time. They played Northern Iowa, so yeah, probably in garbage time. The only other freshman quarterback I know that got in was my guy, Keon Lights Out Jennings at FIU. Started, just took over after they threw for four yards in week zero. <laughs> Held on to beat Maine. <laughs> FIU, man. Did they win? They, they won. won. All right, they played Maine. Who they who they played the week before? Louisiana Tech. Almost. Uh, they almost, lost, lost that game. Yeah, they almost won with four passing yards, and it's not a uh, triple option offense. I'm going to bring these guys up every week. You know who else looked impressive? Tulane. Rutgers? <laughs> no, no Rutgers. Tulane looked impressive. And they got Ole Miss at home. Ole Miss this weekend. That game is going to be a lot of fun if you're in New Orleans. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good game to get down to NOLA to. All right, boys, I think that does it. It's kind of what the uh, – I think this is what the look and feel of our pod is going to be like from here on out during football season. A little bit of recap. I guess a little bit of, you know, analyzing it, but more try to focus on the recruiting player personnel side. Guys, we are at a little under 700,000 downloads. We are tracking for a million downloads for the year. We need you to help us do that. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple included. Also, if you have a question for the mailbag, which I believe we will have this week, that is the place to do it. Make sure to leave a review there. You can also ask your question Guys, we appreciate you listening to the show. As always, for Andrew Ivins, producer Lance Glenn, I'm Cooper Pizzagno. We'll see you tomorrow.